Amen. Let's check our Bibles, if you would, please, tonight. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. We're looking at tonight, Lord willing, a timeline. I was asked if we could go through a timeline of the book of Revelation. Uh, but I have to give you a disclaimer on it before we start. Um, we could be interrupted tonight, and the rapture could happen. Okay? Good to have Sister Donna with us tonight. Amen. Amen. And let's see. Brother Spencer, uh, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Amen. Ephesians 4.30, and I'll try, when we get through this, I'll try to give you, somewhere I used to have a little handout of, of a timeline of end time events, and I could not, in my searching in the last um, several weeks, I have un been you know, unable to find it, so I'm not sure, so we'll have to create a new one here for you. Uh, but Ephesians 4.30 the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of what? Redemption. So the day of redemption for these bodies. Now the day of redemption of our souls was the day we got saved. But the day of redemption for these physical bodies we have is going to be the rapture. That's when we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And that's when we are going to receive our new glorified bodies. So... We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. This is another proof of the time of the rapture because, okay, if we are sealed unto the day of redemption of these bodies, then that means the Holy Spirit's ministry is going to change again at the moment of the rapture. So we are sealed unto that point, which is another proof that the rapture will take place before the tribulation period, because let's go then to 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, as I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, uh, I think the most uh, clear and easiest proof to look at, remember, is Revelation 1.19. Uh, John was told to write the things which he has seen. Chapter 1, Revelation, the things which are dealing with the churches, chapters 2 and 3, and the things which shall be hereafter. And we've seen in Revelation 4, verse 1, it says right there, hereafter. So the tribulation period encompasses Revelation 4 through Revelation 19, and the church is not mentioned at all in those chapters. It has been in Revelation 1 and 2 and 3, um, what you've seen, the things that are, but when it comes to the hereafter, the tribulation period, there's no church mentioned. If you go back to the Lord Jesus, instead of being uh, described as, you know, the groom for the bride, the bride is church, um, suddenly, after chapter 4, it reverts back to describing Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Um, and then uh, the, the sealing, the protecting of 
the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 of each tribe. So things go back, and then we looked in, in Romans chapter 11, uh, we talk about we have been engrafted, we as Gentiles have been engrafted into the root. Uh, but if God cut off um, the Jewish branch, as it says in Romans chapter 11, he, he's going to engraft it back in. And so we're not going to be here. Um, so he's going to have, in the tribulation period, going back to the dealings with the Jews. It's known as the time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble, but Jacob's trouble. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's start in verse 3. Well, let's just start in verse 1 there. Revelation, or excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our, what? Gathering Gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be what? Revealed. The son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, does that wording in verse 4 remind you of anything here? Um, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. If you hold your place here with me, um, could you jump back to Isaiah with me? Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. And verse 12, Isaiah 14, 12. So we're comparing this passage with what we just read in 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So with that thought, Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, who? O Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt, what? My throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down where? To hell, to the sides of the pit. So with that in mind, if we go back to 2 Thessalonians 2 there in verse 4. So obviously it is Satan behind this man, the Antichrist, uh, who, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship. You can just see Satan's pride oozing out of this guy, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that's exactly what we're going to see is going to happen at the midpoint of the tribulation period. The Antichrist is going to stop the sacrifices and set himself up as God uh, in, in Jerusalem. So verse 5, 2 Thessalonians 2, 5. Remember ye not 
that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. So what is stopping the Antichrist from being revealed? Um, he could very well be alive today. If he's not, I would be shocked. Um, he could be alive right now, being groomed by Satan to take over. Isn't it amazing how many evil, wicked leaders there are around the world? It's just, uh, just the corruption is oozing everywhere. Uh, verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. And here's the phrase, Only he who now letteth will let until he be what? Taken out of the way. Taken out of the way. Someone is withholding and stopping the Antichrist from being revealed. In verse 8, And then shall that wicked what? Be revealed. Be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And here it is, verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of who? Satan, didn't we know that already? In verse 4, those clues, as we see the fall of Lucifer, who is now called Satan and the devil and the dragon, uh, we knew he was behind it. Just the language, well, now it confirms it. Verse 9, um, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and what? Lion wonders. And this is what concerns me about the charismatic movement. And, and some people, I think, almost gasp when I say this. But the charismatic movement is prepping the world for the Antichrist. And th this is exactly what I'm talking about in verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Some years ago, I had a friend who worked at a tool and die shop. And in that shop, there was a husband and wife uh, that also worked there in the two and die shop. And they were both charismatics. And so my friend, uh, a Baptist, had conversations in great length with the charismatics trying to show them that their tongue speaking is not scriptural. And so they finally got frustrated with them. And they said this to my friend. Why do you keep bringing up the Bible? And there's the key. Their authority, even though they, they will deny this, but it's true. Their authority is not the Bible. Their authority is or are signs and wonders. To them, this here is bread, but it's from the day old or the decade old or the century old bread shop. To them, this is bread, but it's stale. What they think they have is fresh bread from heaven, a fresh word. Um, their, their visions, um, their claiming of a word from God. So they don't believe that God's canon is closed. They don't believe that the Bible really is complete, that God doesn't uh, still reveal himself through visions and, and uh, revelation like that. And so 
Yes, their authority is signs and wonders. Um, I have a cousin who got mixed up in the Pentecostal tongues, charismatic movement. And in the early 80s, I went and talked to him and <clears throat> was explaining to him about the Bible. And uh, he was, at that time, a truck driver. And he said, he was raised Baptist, but he said he, he was just praying. He was dating a girl that was a charismatic. And so he just said he was praying about it. Lord, is this tongues true or not? Well, he was in his truck and he had an experience. I showed him from the scriptures how his experience did not match up with the word of God. And you know what he said to me? He says, I don't know about what this says. But I know what I have what? Experienced. Was his authority the word of God? No. It's all experience. Um, that's their authority. So, the Satan will come along, verse 9, with all power and signs and lying wonders through his evil one, the Antichrist. So if you hold your place here, please go with me to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> you may say, but, but charismatics are always talking about the Lord. How can you say they're wrong? Ah, well, let's read here. In Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, what? Lord, Lord, hmm. Why is it repeated? Lord, Lord, shall what? Enter into the kingdom of heaven. You're kidding. Someone who always talks about the Lord might not actually be saved. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth what? The will of my Father, which is in heaven. Where do we find God's will? We find it from his words. If you'd hold your place here, I know, I think you're still holding your place in 2 Thessalonians 2. If you have some uh, fingers, maybe of your, who's sitting next to you, that maybe they can stick them in the Bible here for you. Um, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Where do we find the will of God? Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may what? Prove. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of, God. Will of God. How do we prove that? The renewing of our minds from his word. So let's go back to Matthew 7 again. So verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We've got to have his word. Verse 22, what's the first word? Many. Many. Many will say to me in that day, what? Lord, Lord, Lord. They're always talking about the Lord. How can they be wrong? They're always talking about the Lord. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not what? Prophesied in thy name. And in thy name have what? Cast out devils. And in thy name done what? Many wonderful works. This, verse 22, is exactly what the charismatic movement emphasizes. Prophesying in Jesus' name. And of course, they claim that's what they're doing when they're jabbering. What they would say is tongues. Prophesying in his name. In thy name casting out devils. To the charismatics many times, everything is a devil. It looks good on the resume because they've, well, how many devils have you cast out this week? Well, uh, there was, the, there was the, the devil of lust in a man. Um, he couldn't stop looking at the wrong thing, so I cast that demon out of him. And then there was the, the devil of greed, of covetousness. So I cast that out of some people. And, and then there was, um, you know, a, a devil of anger. You know, the, this person is such an angry person. Well, I cast that demon out. It looks really good on the resume. Wow, man, you cast out all kinds of demons. In thy name of cast out devils, and in thy name done many what? Wonderful works, miracles. I've read so many things about people that have did research about these so-called faith healers. I mean, they go on crusades around the world. They claim to heal so many people. I've read about so many fakes. One was a, a guy, he was on the platform in a wheelchair and, and the, the preacher supposedly healed him. Um, and somebody had seen this same guy earlier and he wasn't in a wheelchair. I mean, it's so fake. Um, and there, just, there was some that went on in, in Canada and a, a, a person did some research, went there. I think this person was a medical doctor. And he went and researched it, and there was not one of the people that supposedly were healed at the crusade who were still healed a short time later. Um, so it's, it is so fake. Um, so this is what they emphasize, though, verse 22. Many will say to me that, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name of cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, Verse 23, and then will I, which is the Lord, I will profess unto them, I what? Never knew you. Never knew you. What is another thing about this group is because we, we get them normally every week writing in for gospel literature. And without fail, to a very, very, very tiny exception, they believe you can lose your salvation. But you'll notice here, the Lord is not saying to this group, I once knew you, but you lost it somehow. He said, I what? Never. never knew you. In other words, these people were never saved. And then why profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work what? Iniquity. God calls it iniquity. You may say, how could he do that? They're saying, Lord, Lord, they're talking about the Lord all the time. They're doing all these things in the Lord's name. How can God call it iniquity? I will not ask you to raise your hand how many of you have credit cards. I will not ask you to raise your hand how many of you believe that it's nice to do 
things for those in need. But if you have one of those plastic cards, and if someone, without your knowledge and without your permission, began to use it to feed and clothe the world and buy things for people, would you call that what they did good or iniquity? Iniquity. They didn't have permission. They didn't have authority. And that's the same with the charismatics. There's so much fakeness to it in unscriptural. Verse 23, God says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So if we'll go back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, In verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. This is the thing. The charismatic movement is prepping the world, is training people that this is stale bread. And if you want the latest word from God, you need to get with them and just get it direct. So what they're teaching people is, is the Bible is not the authority. The people in the churches that preach the word of God are not churches that will help you in your spiritual growth. They're teaching and training that the churches that will really help you are the ones who are displaying the signs and the wonders. That is exactly how the Antichrist is going to come. Exactly. And... You look at how many people are deceived right now, just all over the world with the charismatic movement. When I was in Bible school, the largest churches in many of these United States were independent Baptist churches. Um, All over the states, in many states, the largest churches were independent Baptists. That is no longer true, I don't think, in any state. All of them now are charismatic, mega churches, doing just what we've talked about thus far. They are deceiving people by the thousands. Now, I know some of you have your Bible on the phone, so you might not be carrying this with you um, because it's, it's on your phone. I understand that. But... I would say before that uh, happened, before you could get your Bible on your phone, um, even before that time, people go into churches like that and often will not be carrying a Bible. Why is it? Because it's really not the authority to them. The authority is what they're going to see when they get in there, the signs and wonders. So, When the Antichrist comes along, he's going to find churches by the thousands. He's going to find these people that are saying, Lord, Lord, by the multiple thousands. in cities just like Grand Rapids. Uh, I don't know how many churches are running in the thousands that are charismatic oriented. Uh, They're ready for deception. Uh, I know that makes some people very angry, but look at what the Bible says. Verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, 
Because they receive not what? The love of the truth that they might be saved. Remember, the Lord says in Matthew 7, many will stand before him one day. And they're going to be in utter shock. Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out devils in your name? Haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? You, you, you can't cast us into hell. What's he going to say? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He's going to say, I never knew you. They were following signs and wonders. They were not following the Lord. So he's going to send them, verse 11, strong delusion. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in what? Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. <clears throat> what goes hand in hand with that often is that this is the age of grace. Um, you can do what you want to. I mean, that's, that's the attitude. They might not say that, but that's the attitude. This is the age of grace. Um, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you find it odd that there are churches so huge in, in, a, in a city of any size, there will be a very large charismatic congregation. And that will, be, that will be replicated around the country. Do you find it so strange that there can be such large congregations and at the same time, our country in the depths of sin like it's never been before? Some people actually would say there's a revival taking place. I know, that's what I would say too. And the reason they're saying that is because of these congregations. But look at the rock and roll nightclub atmospheres of those churches. And they really think that's a revival. Some years ago, I was told that, hey, pastor, there's a there's a, a great revival we heard about going down. I think it was in one of the Carolinas. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, it's really something. Just hundreds of people coming. And so I did a little research on it, and I watched some of the YouTube videos of what's going on. Well, it's a, like a Christian rock and roll festival. Um, and one of them... Um, the same song was repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And there was no preaching. Uh, people started coming forward and it's like, um, what is going on? What is going on? You know, the rock beat. Um, and as soon as I did a little research on it, I said, you know what? That's not the kind of revival I've been praying for for years. And I wouldn't call that a revival. And, of course, it was short-lived. Um, so this is, this is what is going to take place. Um, the world is being prepped to discount this book and place all the stock in signs and wonders. And so that's just another aspect of being prepped for the, the taking over of the Antichrist. Um, so, 
Thus far, we've looked at Ephesians 4.30. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, until the day that our bodies are redeemed. We've seen here in 2 Thessalonians that something, someone, verse 7, is in verse 8, is stopping that wicked one from being revealed. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. And so the Holy Spirit has always been upon earth. The Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament. Um, notice in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Sometimes people say, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit wasn't here in the Old Testament. Well, no, that's, that's not right. The Holy Spirit was here. He's always been here. He's God. Uh, from Genesis chapter 1, he was upon the, the waters. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's always everywhere at once. Um, in 1 Samuel uh, 16, uh, verse 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brethren. And who? The Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from what? That day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah, but the who? The Spirit of the Lord did what? Departed from Saul. Saul. Uh-oh. You mean King Saul lost his salvation? No. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon believers to empower them. The difference between us, Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away, because when the Holy Spirit would come, he would seal believers. The Holy Spirit would be with a believer until that believer's, uh, or that believer's body is redeemed. So that's the difference. The Holy Spirit is sealing us. The Holy Spirit has always been upon earth. But in the Old Testament, it's like with Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he, he killed a bunch of Philistines or would pick up something big or would break the bands. So that's the difference. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon people and empower them. But on David, interesting, the Holy Spirit came upon him from the day of his anointing onward the rest of his life. But not from King Saul. The Spirit departed from him. So something, back in 2 Thessalonians 2, something is withholding. So I always used to just stick to these two passages, Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. And then couple that with 2 Thessalonians 2. Something is withholding the Antichrist from being revealed. And so when he is taken up from the earth, then we have to be too because we're sealed by him. Now, I still do believe this is a powerful proof of the rapture, but... If we go to Revelation chapter 4, I, I find this much easier for people to, to prove and to remember. Revelation 4.1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a what? Trumpet. A trumpet talking with me, which said what? Come up hither. Come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be what? Hereafter. hereafter. So that started the Revelation 1.19, hereafter. So from this point, from that verse on, you don't see the church through verse 19. 
The only time the bride is mentioned is at the end of Revelation where it, John is back. And once again, John then is caught up to this heavenly vision. And this is an illustration of the rapture. It's, it's rapture words, the, the trumpet coming up. Um, so John sees this whole revelation vision from heaven, just like we are going to see it from heaven. We're not going to see it from this side of the clouds. So, uh, but I just find this is a much clearer um, example for people to use to prove it. Um, and then also we mentioned, but Revelation 3.10, to one church, the next to the last church, the church of Philadelphia, Remember, the last church was the Laodicean church. Um, the church that had lots of money, but made God sick. Made God sick. So the next to the last of the church, so in, in Revelation 3 and verse 7, Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee, what? An open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast, what? Kept my word. Kept my word. That's what we need to focus on, keeping his word, and hast not denied my name. Behold. I will make them of the synagogue of what? Satan. Satan. The synagogue of Satan. Where was it? I just read about some state um, at Christmas time. Maybe some of you read it too. Um, one of these atheist organizations set up, was it in your state? Okay. Um, they had to have their satanic, you know, Christmas whatever. Look at here. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon what? All the world. Now, last time we talked about this is confusing some people, um, is because they say, well, um, we are experiencing tribulation right now. We talked about that last time. Paul experienced tribulation. But he warned the people not to believe them, not for, as a word from them or a letter from them, as that the day of the Lord was at hand. In other words, talking about the wrath of the Lord, which is the tribulation period. Not the day of the Lord as the rapture, but the day of the Lord of his wrath. Um, so he says, this hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So the tribulation period is not new in the sense of tribulation, affliction, but it's new in the sense of the entire world is going to face that tribulation right now. In China, I just read in China, they're increasing their pressure, demanding that no children be allowed to attend any church. No children. 
uh, you probably read about what China had so many cameras everywhere, millions of cameras tied into their government uh, computer system with facial recognition. I mean, they are determined to know where everyone is at every moment. And if, if you dare take a child to church, they will find out. They are forbidding it. Um, so right now in China, what's happening is the underground church is thriving um, in homes, in secret, but it's getting really tough to meet in a building like we are. So that's happening in China, but that is not a worldwide phenomenon. It may come here, you know, some of our leaders have designated us as terrorists because we're Christians. Um, so it may come here, but you'll notice in verse 10, this is something that's going to come upon all the world to try them. Now, how is God going to keep them? Verse 10 says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from, not keep thee through the tribulation period. I will keep thee from the hour of temptation. How is he going to do that? Verse 10, what does he say? Behold what? I come quickly. That's how he's going to keep them from it. He's going to come quickly. And he says, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Um, so that's just another key factor about this timeline. The church has gone before the tribulation period hits. God promises this church, this church, Philadelphia, I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation, which is going to come upon all the world. Um, and there are many that think, I guess I'm not smart enough with my history to figure it out, but many believe that the order of these churches in the book of Revelation match the order of church history thus far. Um, so, and if that is true, then what we're seeing is the Laodicean church form before our eyes, but God's going to catch away. He's going to come quickly and keep the Philadelphia church from that hour of temptation that's coming on all the world. So he'll be taking out true born-again believers. Um, another thing, and we'll stop on, on that there, but 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15. So many things tying together. And this is what makes it so difficult for people um, to tamper with the Word of God and get away with it by people who really read the Word of God. It's because although there are 66 books of the Bible, it forms one divine book, the Bible. And there are so many prophecies and things. I'm having fun. My wife got me a, a Bible and uh, so I'm going through it the first time and underlining and tying verses together and jotting in it. So it's, it's, it's been wonderful. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 15, 51, verse 51. Well, actually, let's just drop back to verse 50. Actually, let's drop back to verse 49. Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of what? The earthy. That's what we are now. Look in the mirror. That we're earthy. 
We shall also bear the image of what? The heavenly. So we're getting a new body. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. And then what? Unmovable, always abounding in what? The work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Civil War, the battle was raging. Uh, Sherman was in the south, around the Atlanta area, and he was, was cut off, I believe, by a general course, if I'm not mistaken, uh, got around him on the north side and headed up the railroad, trying to destroy as many depots and supply things. But there was a, a fort around Altoona, Georgia, and, and that was a million and a half food rations for the Union Army, the Northern Army. And they were surrounded, uh, maybe that was General Corse that had that surrounded, with 6,000 men, and there was 1,500 soldiers, I believe they said, Union soldiers in that fort. But faced with 6,000 against them, they were whittled down. In fact, maybe it started out 3,000 soldiers, but anyway, it was cut in half. And, they, and the general in charge of that fort, with all the, the supplies, was shot three times, and he would eventually give way and die. But the, they were about ready to surrender, but they saw on a distant mountain uh, a signal, the signal corps, the flag wavers, trying to wave a signal. And so they waved back that they were seeing them. And, and the signal then came, um, hold the fort on my way, W.T. Sherman. And the soldiers cheered in the fort, and for another three hours, until some of Sherman's forward troops got there, they fought, but with renewed vigor, because they knew Sherman was on the way. And he came and saved the fort. And there was a song written about that, Hold the fort, for I am coming. So the Lord is coming. We, we can see so many things aligning for the tribulation period. Well, there are no signs of the rapture. It can happen. It's imminent. It can happen at any moment. It could happen tonight. But we are seeing so many things put in place right now for the tribulation period. Surely, can't we see on the distant mountain <laughs> waving the Lord? 
I'm coming, hold the fort. We're not talking about work salvation. We're talking about faithfully serving our Lord, just like verse 58 says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We know who's going to win this battle, and it's the Lord. It's not Satan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these assurances. Thank you, Lord, that you promised you would return. Thank you that you promised that you are preparing mansions for us. And Lord, we thank you for that because, humanly speaking, we don't know why you would even want to return to this earth to a people that blaspheme your name every day, to a people that live for the devil, not for you. And yet you promise to return. You promise to come back to this mess and snatch us out of it, to catch us away up in the clouds, to meet you and to be with you forever and to receive a new and glorified and sinless body. Lord, thank you for your promise. And Lord, help us now as we think of the Philadelphia church. You had set before them an open door. You did not set before them a comfortable bed. You set before them an open door to serve you while there's time. Lord, please empower us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. And Father, I pray that you would help us this week not to quench the Holy Spirit, um, not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I pray this week we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, Father, we're not talking about charismatic fake signs and wonders. Lord, we, we want to see you do a true, true miracles and wonders and transforming lives and saving their souls. Lord, we believe that you have opened that door for us to get out your word. We want to do it, Lord, this week with our mouths. We want to talk to others. Lord, we want to send out the printed word. Lord, that people might hear the truth and be saved. So, Lord, please take and use us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hymn.